quite amazing. Ask not what your voice can do for you. Boys, all things Formula One in the USA. On my left, starting with Parker. Yep. And on my right, hitting up with Mike. Yo, yo, yo. Well, how are you guys doing today? Hey, okay. Grand. Cool. Um, I wanted to start off the show real quick. We talked about liveries last time with the reveal of the Haas livery. And they have, with testing, come out with their actual race car. Ooh, so yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts and feedback. So what do you guys think about the actual Haas car and that the fact that they are kind of like throwing it back at us? I think it's kind of a cool move. I love it. It's amazing to see that car on the road, finally. It's fun. Actually moving. Mm-hmm. It was, actually, it was uh, more surprising than I thought it would be to see that thing moving. Mm. So it's fun to watch. I'm really excited. And the car actually has like the vents, the louvers, which I didn't see till the Ferrari came out with theirs, Mm -hmm. but it's cool that the Haas kind of, it looks aggressive. It looks way more aggressive than the actual livery launch that they did. Yeah. I was actually really excited to see as well. They have the, the front wing shape. I was really surprised by why Uh, it just, it tapers off as opposed to in the sample car that they had, they had kind of a mountain like mm-hmm. a peak on each side. Gotcha. But this wing that they brought to Barcelona is really flat and it tapers off as it gets down to the wheels. So kind of an interesting shape. Yeah, it did look kind of small. Like, like flat. Minimal almost, yeah. Uh, that was something super different. And, and then the side pods are dramatically larger mm. than the sample car that they shared in their rendering as well. So super different car. And I think we talked about how Haas was the first one to reveal their car, but they kind of did like a little cloak and dagger thing and saved their actual car for testing. Why do that? Well, it's all part of the chess match. (laughs) What is it going to benefit? This is not the Queen's Gambit. This is America. (laughs) This is the president with a toupee's gambit. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, obviously we see it now. We see the suspension. We see the front wing. We see how this thing is going to be a cohesive one design Mm -hmm. now and i think sandbagging a little bit of playing games with uh, some mind tricks here Mm -hmm. this is our car and then it not being anything like that throws your competitors scent off as if you're being stalked in the woods cool true it is wild to look at those things side by side and i didn't realize when we were talking about this last week that the image we were looking at was a render. The whole time I was sitting there thinking like, how can they afford to put a whole different car together and create this red herring car to throw everybody off to show off the livery? And it's like, oh, they totally didn't. They just made a render. (laughs) I'm sure this car has looked this way for a year or like a year and a half maybe. Mm. And it does look different. My gosh, you're absolutely right about that front wing. And then rear wing is way more dramatic as well. Side pods look nothing Mm. like the render it's cool i love the cloak and dagger and the only other team to do the kind of the cloak and dagger approach is who red bull haas up there with the champs dude they are moving up out for points this year we are out for points and it seems as though christian and red bull are just hanging back i still haven't seen an image of the red bull car have you no i saw a terrible shot on a potato picture of it in motion (laughs) But I've yet to see it actually Mm. testing. Are they at Barcelona? I don't think they have. I was looking at everybody that's revealed to this point, and I didn't see them on that list. Oh, okay. Shifting gears, I think 
What we wanted to do with this episode is kind of take another deep dive into the Haas Formula One world. And what we want to talk about today was the owner, Gene Haas. So to kick us off, what do we know about Gene Haas? Well, first of all, his name is Eugene. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> that is a name. <laughs> How did you figure this out? I don't know. Wikipedia would not be the source for something like gotcha, that. Gotcha. That is so cool. But uh, Eugene, well, let's roll the clock back. Where does Eugene's story start in motor racing? I was watching an interview and did he say he was a mechanic or was working on like a crew for early races? I think so. And he was working in a lot of machine shops. Right. I know that fresh out of college, he spent mm -hmm. some time working in machine shops and yeah. working in the industry. That's something that I, I, I guess I didn't expect when I started watching Formula One and it, and like, I don't know a lot of owners. All I really know is Lawrence Stroll and now Gene Haas. And they're both two guys that I didn't think had like a racing background. And then you found out that Lawrence has been into racing his whole life. And that Gene started off kind of like in the motorsport world, which is why, of course, they're interested in it. Because I just right. don't ever think of it that way. Yeah. And so I guess the, the story as it goes was that he went to school to be an engineer. He changed his degree went over to business and finance and some other things. And then out of school, pivoted, went to kind of work in a machine shop and a few other things. And while working in the machine shop, discovered that one of the things that he hated most, or at least was lacking the most, was a certain type of adapted bit. Call it changer, yeah. Yeah, it was like a step tool. And he engineered and created his own step tool and oh. started selling them. And that was the beginning of his company. You look like you have something on your mind, Parker. I think it's I think it's crazy that we have a connection with Haas and their CNC machine and that Parker works in CNC. I guess I just never it's made weird. that connection. It's really weird. It is weird. And I honestly hadn't even considered that until recently. And it's like, yeah, dude, this is crap that I'm around all the time. But the cool thing about Gene Haas is that he really has revolutionized CNC machining for automated machining, which is a brand new industry only as of the past 35 or 40 years. He made a lot of interesting innovations in that world, like ways to allow the operator to walk away from a machine. He really quickly, here's a here's a quick masterclass in machining. This is great because Parker, I love hearing about your CNC stuff. And when you show me things, it really is insane. What What is a CNC machine to begin with? What does that with? stand for? What does CNC uh, stand for? Counter nuclear, nuclear intelligence. Intelli intelligence. <laughs> that is crazy. Why don't you tell us? Max closed Nickelodeon captions. Wait, g give it a shot. I'm actually interested to see what you might think it is. Oh boy. Oh, computer n n guided huh? cutting. CGC. It's, it's <laughs> wow. actually, I knew it once and I have no idea now. And that brings me to rule number one when you go to machining school, which I didn't go, which is don't talk about it. It's fight club and machining. There's one rule in Haas machining and it's don't talk about what CNC means. They are pretty cool guys. Computational numerical control. Okay, never would have gotten that. So basically means I can send a number and the machine will do something with it that's predictable. Mm. That's something that's been around since the, I think the late 80s. In the mid 90s and late 90s, early 2000s is when a lot of really interesting technology started coming about. Mills. So this is the second and half of the super collision course, which okay, is cool, cool. milling, which is just cutting stuff. Mm. So 
This is my favorite part of the saga. Yeah. Milling is you take a a solid piece of something and then carve it into something else. Mm -hmm. That's milling. And traditionally milling machines or mills were these enormous... Lumberyard things. 10 foot tall... That's a different type of milling. I've played Warcraft. I know. Then you know. Lumber mill. You, okay. you know. What does one of those cost? Like 10 gold? Well, it, Way more expensive now. You need a couple of peasants and some farms. In the car world, I've had to have several cars that I've owned where the block or a head or something had to be machined and cleaned up. Right. And the tolerances are such that you can take off just a finite amount of material and repair something. So it's really... Probably a thousandth of an inch r- is what you would do on it. Super impressive stuff, and it makes a huge difference. So those machines used to be all manual. Basically, Haas and these other companies mm-hmm. pioneered turning these machines into computer controllable Mm. machines where you basically can just put a piece of stock in and out comes something. They're so advanced. You could literally put in a block of aluminum and get an engine block out. That's just nuts. It's innovated the wheel industry and I'm not going to go down the rims rabbit hole with you people again. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? (laughs) But a lot of the wheel industry rely heavily on CNC machines to produce different models. Hmm. And what do we know about Gene Haas as an owner of motorsport teams? He has two, right? Yeah, so he started his NASCAR team. And to begin with, Gene knew that CNC and motorsport go together. It is the, what, what are some good ones here? What are, the what banana are, to its jelly. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> what the hell? Is that the first one that came to the mind? The peanut butter to the jelly? There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's... You got, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, banana to peanut butter, I mean, could have worked, (laughs) but you went for the other. So we all agree on on banana to the jelly analogy? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, moving past that. (laughs) Okay, yeah. The Mazepin to his Schumacher. There you go. (laughs) Gunter Steiner to his Roman. Yes. Cyril to his Daniel. Oh. You're the Cyril to my Daniel. That's Was that a Valentine this year? It should have been. Oh, it should have been. been a breakup Valentine. Card. Did it come with a black and yellow checker belt? Does anyone else remember that from Drive to Survive? I swear he was wearing like an Avril Lavigne belt every time oh, yeah, I saw him. Yeah, yeah. I, I do was like, that. Cyril, how did Cyril? you get that? He's so behind. Gene decided that there was such synergy between CNC machines and motorsport that he needed to use motorsport as a marketing effort for CNC, which is something that Parker talked about in our first episode. And he was dead on. In my research, that was exactly what Gene was intending. Yeah, Parker, you healed it right on the head in that episode when we were talking about Gunther pitching it. He talks about it in an interview I watched where he says like F1 opens it up to a whole foreign market that he wants to advertise to for CNC work. Talk about a perfect marriage. That's good placement, man. Makes sense to me that he would continue on. So super cool that he's run NASCAR for quite a while, started off unsuccessfully, and then partnered with Tony Stewart, who was a pretty large icon in NASCAR, to create Stewart Haas Racing. And in that partnership, they've won a couple of NASCAR titles. Cool. And then decided to take on Europe and wanted to go into Formula One. Haas was at Daytona this weekend. Correct. And how did they finish? Pretty well, I feel like. There was quite a lot of wrecks. but There was. Yeah. When I chimed in, they weren't in like the top 10. Oh, I'm sure there was a few. And then there was a bunch of wrecks that happened and I don't know what happened to them. I know Kevin Harvick was running up front. He's mm-hmm. one of their top dogs and he was unfortunately a victim of one of those accidents. Mm-hmm. Yikes. And uh, 30th. Yeah, (laughs) that's probably somewhere in there. But uh, interestingly enough, actually, another topic there as a quick side note 
Jacques Villeneuve would competed in this Daytona 500. Who's that? Jacques Villeneuve is a American IndyCar champion. He was also a Formula One world champion mm. for Williams. Oh. Wow, no kidding. How many world champions has Williams had? Quite a few. No kidding. They're one of the teams that isn't a car manufacturer that's walked away with several world championships. It's so mm-hmm. funny to be in this generation of F1 and just have no connection to Williams yeah. being a successful team. <laughs> it is wild. It's Yeah, it's kind of crazy. See, I get worried that when Haas isn't performing like this whole last year that I'm like, oh, Gene's going to pull out. And I see Gunther on like the phone, like, like just like, Please. we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Like we're, yeah. I'm really begging I'm him. yelling at my drivers. Don't worry. So we can expect Haas to be in for a couple more years at least. Oh, five years. Right. 2025. Oh, cool. They signed an agreement. Oh, cool. A Concord agreement. You, you know, you can still opt to sell your team in that window. Mm. But to prove a point here, Andretti just launched their submission to the FIA to participate in Formula One. Mm-hmm. If Andretti had exhausted every resource of trying to buy a team, Haas <laughs> would have been one of the first. Right. right. Oh, good point. And good so point. while Haas is still in the sport and Andretti is joining... Uh-huh. I think that says a lot about what Haas's commitment is to Formula One. I love that. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. And I'm so thrilled to see that that they did sign that agreement that, okay, we're going to do this till 2025. And they have every expectation of doing well because my heavens, how many hundreds of millions of dollars every year out of Gene Haas's pocket. That said, that I heard a comment from Gunter was basically saying, Gene knows that this is beneficial for Haas. And so... Yeah. Yeah, he's spending hundreds of millions every year, but he's getting that back. Haas Automation is growing like crazy right now. They're not a heritage brand. Like they are penetrating markets actively. Mm, cool. And are are turning out new technology actively. And so it's obviously one part of Haas Automation's sort of legacy. It sounds like it's working for Gene and he's making his money back. That's really cool. Shifting gears, should we talk about some general F1 that's happening right now? Should we talk about the F1 world? Let's do it. Almost all of the teams have revealed their new cars now. I think it'd be great. Should we talk about what we've seen with all the different teams? Whose cars are we liking? Whose aren't we liking? And then I think it'd be cool to talk about what does Formula One mean? Where does the name come from? Because it all kind of comes together, right? Mercedes back to the silver era, which is fun to see. I was stoked about the silver for Mercedes. When I was watching on TV, I would constantly get Mercedes mixed up with Aston Martin. I know they were black and green, but when they're like flying past and the lights hitting it, that green became very dark and it was just confusing. And then yeah. of course to hear Crofty or whatever being like, the silver arrows, it's like, yeah. they're black. <laughs> they definitely were black over the last two years. Yeah. Super black, now which I, I dug by the way. Mm. Uh, black is so nice. It was cool. And one of the things that I like that they've done with the Mercedes car this year is that they have two-toned it. So there is still black on the car on the underside. Yeah. And the drivers will continue to wear black, which I thought was a good move. Oh, okay. What kind of unique things have we seen in some of the cars that have been revealed? I know Ferrari has vents... Some of them have vents. Yeah, um, the louvers. The louvers. Holes, as the Americans would say. Yeah, we just call those holes. Um, cheese grater. Air holes. Yeah. Speed holes. Speed, yes. Yeah. Slots. So, <laughs> slot machines. Why the vents? What What does that do? People have been speculating, or is everyone an aero engineer? Well, people were talking about the 
opportunity for the louvers to exist on this year's cars and anticipated some of that in the designs okay. and that we would see some variations there. A cool thing of seeing all these reveals is how they've used that design theory and how each car has been developed. So Ferrari has the louvers. They play, they look like they play into the downforce and how the car has the airflow move across it. Same with Aston Martin. Same with all the teams that we've kind of seen use that design theory. Mm -hmm. um, now McLaren went and took a different approach. They have what looks like a larger exit out of the back of the car. I mean, they were trying to get rid of dirty air, right? I noticed that Aston Martin has, maybe they don't, but they have a, a shorter wheelbase than some of the other people. I think the wheelbase is set. It's set? Yes. I, I guess I'm, I'm looking no at kidding. all those images where they place the lines next to the other car. Yeah. I guess it's just where the body sits on the wheels then. And it's interesting because a lot of that is play, right? So it's a render that is a lot of those photos for the current top-down perspective. Oh, okay, yeah. And as a photography nerd, lens choice, even in a render, mm -hmm. will distort and mm -hmm. place things in different locations. Mm. So moving a fin slightly forward or back or things like that. Now, that's a that's a pretty big departure from the last standard to have a defined wheelbase. Given all the cars that have been released over the past month or so, I know it's like hard. It, it's just speculation. It's all speculation. But looking at what we've seen... And see, I'm not an aero expert, but when I saw that Ferrari come out with the louvers and the holes for speed, um, I was <laughs> kind of worried. I was like, oh, Ferrari might have something really cool here. This looks rad. And then when Haas came out and had the same thing, like a similar look, and the louvers just look aggressive. I don't know anything about what they do, honestly, but I'm like... This is cool. Like Haas has kind of a cool thing going. Ferrari came out of the gate with something that I actually think is the most noteworthy so far. Mm. And I'm going to use so far as a term because it is still testing. So we still haven't mm. seen a race ready car. Okay. And I think that there's still an opportunity for some slight sandbagging as we go into Barcelona, as we go into some of the test days. But Ferrari came up with this idea to separate their nose into two pieces. What? And what, top and bottom? Yeah, so the oh, no kidding. as the chassis meets the nose piece, there is now a two-part section. And the reason that this was brilliant, and it's sometimes it just seems the engineering ideas are simple, but they're brilliant. And where this is making a huge difference is that Ferrari has a section of the nose that's approved for the crash rating. And that's the part that meets the chassis. Then the next piece of the nose, which is the wing, is now free to interpretation for any race. The other teams have to have all of their front wings and noses approved for every crash oh, test. Oh, no kidding. And Ferrari just developed this idea to be like, well, what if we split it in half? Then we only have to approve that piece. And we can throw on a different nose for these different races. And then we can sneak a nose into any race that we want. Wow. So Ferrari seems like Scary. so far have come up with at least the newest innovation. That's super cool. That perfectly transitions us into the next thing that we wanted to discuss, which is why is it called Formula One? This is something I just assumed when I started watching <laughs> Drive to Survive and races. I thought it was a certain type of fuel that they were putting in cars. Like it's a formula. They're not using just straight gas. It's, it's jet fuel and it's a certain kind and it's the fastest. That's why they're going so fast is because they're using the fastest fuel. <laughs> It's the secret gas that one sport uses. They're using Formula One. Is it because of Mobile One? Uh, yeah, 
when I want my car to go faster, I put in premium. Yeah, then yeah, I can yeah, go yeah. on the freeway. That's exactly what premium does. <laughs> you throw in some liquid Schwartz. Yeah. So when Mike told me the real thing, I was very wrong. Well, you weren't super wrong because fuel plays into it. But the Formula One definition is a formula. So the rules that we're seeing, which changed dramatically for the 2022 season, is the new formula by which each mm-hmm. team will design and develop a race car. And what's so cool about all these launches is being able to see each car finally come to life and see what Marinello, Ferrari, has been putting all of their efforts into Mm. and what that car looks like within the rules. Likewise with Milton Keynes and Red Bull and our boys over at McLaren and then the hometown heroes, what Haas has developed. And so anyways, formula by definition being something that's kind of like an equation. You have parameters, you kind of utilize what you have within those and create your own version. You can kind of plug in what you want, then it goes through this series of filters and then must come out on the other side looking a certain way under certain parameters. Right, and and, and the big difference again between NASCAR, IndyCar, most of the other motorsport competitions out there is it's not a car designing contest for them. Mm -hmm. Where Formula One is, it's both race car driver and race car manufacturer. Right. How is it that these other American series have stayed away from it being a car manufacturer contest? I know like with the the 24 hours of Daytona, I know that those guys buy their car. They right. don't touch their car. They've got their their variables are their pit crew and their mechanics and their driver. Is that how it is with these other American series as well? We'll boil it down this way. NASCAR, IndyCar, 24 Hours of Daytona. Each form of motorsport will find ways where they can gain an advantage. A few years ago, Chase Elliott, who's a NASCAR driver on the Hendrick team, was caught cheating with a piece of tape that hung off of the rear spoiler, adding extra downforce to the car through the corners. Whoa. And the way that it was caught was during his post-race interview, one of his pit crew members looking rather inconspicuously was removing tape from the spoiler. Wait, wait, wait. How much tape are we talking? Barely enough to mention. And you think that it really did something? I can't remember the exact figure. I guess it doesn't matter. But it was substantial. Holy shit. He was like a second and a half faster than everyone else. On a lap or on a... On a lap. What kind of tape? Is this like... It's like gaff tape, but in the color of yellow. So they couldn't see it. We need to get them as sponsors. (laughs) We need to get that tape company to sponsor us. We'll talk about that tape every time. Can you imagine us podcasting a second faster? (laughs) Let's try it. It's not happening today, I'll tell you that much. That's crazy. That's crazy. So each sport in the American motorsport realm still has ways that they manipulate the rules to gain an advantage. Because motorsport is, at the end of the day, kind of who is bending the rules the best. Which I love. It's so great. I love that aspect. And it is sort of the way that it is built, right? So even the sports that do have kind of a bot car still have those kind of room for error. And a lot of it is don't get caught. But with IndyCar and NASCAR being the kind of two American sports, the most for the most part, the idea with those were to have a driver versus driver competition. So quick quiz for okay, you guys. Let's go. Yeah, um, quiz. I have two, I actually have two questions. Do you guys want to do two quiz questions? I'm ready for them. Here is the question. I found some cool stats on the internet. 
All right, in the first seven races of last season, who by the average pit stop time was the fastest? In so the last average, seven of the first the season. seven races of last season. This okay. person only had data for that, but okay. it's still interesting. I'll okay. give you the three options you can choose from. Was it A, Williams? Was it B, Ferrari? Or was it C, Alpine? I got mine. Oh, Parker? Mm-hmm. I know mine. Parker, what did you answer? Alpine. And Mike, what did you answer? Williams. And it goes to Mike with Williams. Whoa. Kind of crazy. Mercedes did have the fastest pit stops, but Williams on average was faster than everyone. That's crazy, man. It is crazy. It is crazy. I just, this is one more like feather in the cap Mm -hmm. of how twisted what we see on TV is. There's no one hyping the Williams pit crew. It's yeah. not. It's not like oh, that was a quick stop by Williams. Whereas I, I don't know. We just we're just seeing like this teeny tiny little scope when we watch Sky. Right. Mm. Anyways, that is crazy. I never would have guessed that. In yeah. A isn't years. that crazy? That is crazy. Okay. Next question, real quick. It's inspired by our conversation last time about Group B. How many people died in Group B rally sport that caused them to stop? And these are spectators. Oh, from what I read, it was this amount of people that died. They were spectators. So, okay, was it A three, B four, C five? I'll give you another clue. Thirty one were injured over the course of Group B rally. Or whatever. I've got mine. Okay, Parker's locked in his answer. Locked in. Well, then lock in. What's what's your, Mike? You have to lock in. Oh, yeah, you have to lock right, in. I lock in. Okay, Parker. You what was yours? Wait, we'll say it on three. Ready. One, two, three, four. D. There was no D. (laughs) He's cheating. What is your answer, Mike? I'm going to go with five. The answer was three. Sorry. Dang it, I knew it was three. You know what's Mm. funny? You started started asking that, and I was like, three, even before you gave the... the, Mm. And so it's... uh, What is that, Dan Dan Brown or Damon? What is that guy's name? uh, Darren Brown. Darren Brown. The Svengali effect. So this has just been a lesson today in the podcast of trusting your gut. <laughs> 31 injured, three killed, and then they pulled the plug on group B. And that's that was three drivers and spectators? No. Um, from what I spectators. saw, it was just 31 injured spectators and three killed spectators. There needs to be a movie about that. Yeah. Surprisingly, there is not one. Well, thanks for joining us today with our podcast. We hope you listen to the Haas Boys and invite other people to listen as well. All things Formula One in the USA. Write us an email, dashaasboys at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, haas.boys. Send us messages, email us a question. We'd love to hear from everyone. And we will talk to you next time. Yeah, boy. Toodaloo.